Hello and welcome to the A-Form show. My name is Alan George and thank you very much for tuning in. Each week we sit across from thought leaders and change makers in the architecture and design space of the GCC. We dive deep into their experiences both professionally and personally and share their valuable insight as to what makes them tick. Our goal is to add value to your day and help you navigate your own personal creative journey. Finally, the opinions and the views of the guest speakers are that of their own. They do not necessarily represent the views and the opinions of the show or the host. Before we get into the show, we'd love to give a big shout out to our friends at Inkscape Education Management based right here out of Dubai Design District. Inkscape is a design training institute specializing in skill training specifically for the design and creative professions. They currently offer short courses in architecture, fashion, interior design, and graphics design. Inkscape's unique training style is aimed at training individuals through design thinking methodologies, enabling them to process and generate real-life solutions with confidence. If you're a working professional, they got you covered too. In addition to the daytime courses that they have running. There are courses tailor-made for you with evening sessions. They provide working professionals with an opportunity to acquire new skills when it suits them. In a nutshell, you can earn while you learn. So the time is now. Pick up a new skill and add value to your workspace. If this is of interest to you, feel free to reach out to them on Instagram and Facebook at WeAreInscape UAE. That is WeAreInscape UAE. Today's guest is Rahul Sudhir. With strong roots in Dubai, Rahul currently practices as a design architect for the world-renowned developer MR. During his journey, he has been part of both mega projects and niche boutique work. He truly believes that architecture can shape the way we live and as such, spends a lot of time figuring out how we as humans live and interact with our spaces. As an avid sketcher, Rahul believes in documenting your thoughts and ideas, regardless of how crazy they may seem at the time, they may just end up being a solution to a future problem you never knew you had. Today we talk about Rahul's journey in developer-centric design, we discuss the importance of traveling and sketching for an architect, and his favorite way to decompress. So without further ado, take it away, Rahul. Hello and welcome to the A-Form show. Thank you guys for tuning in again this week. That makes us really, really happy. Like we can jump around in circles happy. But in all seriousness, your support really has been mind-blowing over the last uh, few episodes. Um, Really didn't think we'd be getting that much traction. So genuine, genuine big, big thank yous to all of you for, you know, making us... um, able to be doing this, I guess, a little more regularly now. Today's guest, as you may know, um, is Rahul. And um, he and I uh, share a lot of things in common, obviously, our love for architecture and so on. Rahul comes with a host of experiences and a host of uh, projects which he's worked on, which I'm hoping that we can all cover today. I'm pretty sure some of them we can't really talk about yet. But we'll see how much ever we can, you know, get through. So to not waste any time and get right into it, I thought we could start off with an incident, I'm going to call it, or an experience, if you may. This was basically Rahul's uh, first 
ever interview, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it was the first one out of uh, college. And um, just to paint the picture for you, um, Rahul was uh, studying in Bangalore, I believe. And uh, this was kind of one of those uh, on-site on-campus kind of recruitment situations for a position based in Dubai with the developer. And as such, Rahul did not want to come back for his own, you know, his own reasons, whatever they may be. And this is kind of how he went about navigating it. So I'm going to turn over the entire floor to you, sir. And uh, please let us know what happened. Uh, so, so it happens. So it so happens that uh, so then I spoke to the recruiter, and then I kind of made that call to tell that listen, I I'm not interested. I'm sorry, like you know that sort of thing. And Thank you like, for considering me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then he's like, oh, but wouldn't you want to uh, meet uh, Mr. PNC Menon? Like he's the chairman of uh, Showbar Developers, and exactly. he'll be taking the interview directly. Right. And that caught me, and I was like, oh, wait. One of well, one let of, uh, let me reconsider. <laughs> no, I I think I was a lot more. Uh, I, I, at that point, I just felt like I just I was like, oh man, you know, I want to meet this guy because okay. he is um, he's quite legendary in the sense that he's considered one of the biggest uh, developers in the country. Of and, course, uh, of course. He's done some. Uh, he well, he. Wait, when you say in the country, are you talking India? India. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. All right. I need to keep that on silent. <laughs> oh, it's cool. I yeah. mean, we all have iPhones. We know what happened. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so, but, but I mean, before you before you continue, just a, a clarification for mm-hmm. me. So, when you got that call and you found out it was him taking the interview mm-hmm. and not, I would suspect, a random HR person, mm-hmm. was it the fact that you saw value in getting, you know, face-to-face time with him? Or was it just the fact that it was the owner of the place kind of talking to you. What was it? I mean, why the excitement? Why the change in mind? Uh, I think there were two aspects to it. One was uh, the excitement of meeting someone like that because I had never in my life met someone uh, say as big or as important. Right. Uh, which is fair. Yeah, which is fair. <laughs> I guess. Uh, so it was very exciting in that sense. And then the second part of it was that I felt like if he's doing this interview himself... Right. There must be something about it that uh, he's very passionate about, like right. the f- whole idea of picking young people to come work for him. And uh, I'm pretty sure it's not like he he does the interview for every single person that goes through of his course, phone, right? Of course. And this and this we're talking about a job which is uh, pretty right down. It, it's it's and when you talk about job. the level, yeah, yeah, it's it's an entry level job, right? right? So if he's doing it himself, there must be something about it that he's very passionate about, which I later went on to learn about. Right. Uh, I'll speak to you about that later as we right. progress. So then I uh, went for the interview, and then uh, and then I find out that it, it was crazy because I, I seem to be the person who's least interested in the sense that. Uh, everyone else was very excited about the job, about the whole idea of kind of coming to Dubai. And I was the only Dubai kid in that circle. So right. there were a bunch of 20 students who had gathered up at the right. bus stand and uh, we were all going to the place for the interview. And uh, I seemed to be the only one who didn't have like, I had an A45 with me <laughs> and everyone else was carrying the huge A, A0 sheets with their models and all of those things. And they're like, oh my God, they had these kind of competitions going on within the college because unlike in my college where the HOD kind of directly 
suggested a name. Uh, in other colleges, there was some sort of competition or something of right, that sort. Right, right, right. And uh, so they were all like, they they probably like in some some way earned their way into this <laughs> into this interview while I had just uh, waltzed a little bit into this. So I I kind of just picture you standing over there being like, man. I got this. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I tried to shift the focus to okay, Rahul, calm down. Uh, the main deal is that you're going to be able to get face. So, coming back to your story, you're on the bus. You're going to meet Mr. Menon himself. Yes, Mr. Menon himself, and uh, yeah. So then, uh, skipping forward to to actually entering the room. So we this 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 really funny thing happened. So we were all sitting in this uh, room. There were like maybe 30 40 of us. Is this like a boardroom kind of thing or like uh, it was I mean, like pain. a waiting room. It was weird. <laughs> Just like we were all sitting and I would only seen this in movies where you had like 40 people all like you know suited up not suited up because it's you know it, relatively it more, formal. Yeah, because yeah. they're students and you know they they had like <laughs> they were uh, yeah well anyways so we were all like sitting in this room waiting and then this person comes and he's like whatever happens do not touch the door and we were like what are you saying like what do you mean like don't touch What's the door, door? Like- I mean don't touch the door only open the door with the handle the handle okay. like in the sense do not push the door like right, do not right. your, your handprint should so, not be yeah, on yeah, the yeah, door yeah, yeah. I feel like what's going on is this like okay it's, it's funny and then uh, so so basically uh, the chairman is extremely uh, particular about this he feels that there should be no fingerprints on the door because you have a handle and you that's meant and that's that's what's it's meant for opening the door so you're not supposed to sort of like and and you you won't believe this in show but all of us you do not touch the door ever wow and you'll find the glass doors like spotless clean I mean, unless someone from outside comes and, you know, but, but you know, when you think about it in hindsight, it, it makes, makes sense, sense right? Yeah. Like you don't, you have a handle, use the handle. Don't, uh... I mean, I guess, I guess when you say it a little out of context, it would seem very like Uber control, yeah, like yeah. super OCD, but, <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> but I guess, yeah, I mean, like in hindsight, like you said, I mean, it, it, I guess it kind of. It has some kind of impact on the corporate culture as well, right? Yeah. Wherein something as simple as that kind mm. of sets you... Um, I don't know how I want to frame this. It kind of... It it kind of makes it very clear what the management wants. Yeah. Huh. Like, it's, it's, um, it's a very small, almost like, you know, not even in a, an, an important thing. But the fact that there's so much thought put into something as yeah. small as that... It shows that they probably have put that much thought into a lot of other things. Yeah, because what I saw in it was discipline, like in exactly. some sense, right? Exactly. Like uh, there's no sloppiness. It's just uh, being very sort of disciplined in some... And, and and this is probably one of the first instances of where architecture and discipline in terms of mannerism <laughs> kind of came together. And I was like, oh, this is something. And so I was very particular. Like, I kept a very good distance between myself and the door. <laughs> I opened the door, I got in, and then I sat down. And then we, we had a really uh, casual conversation about... Uh, uh, where he kind of went through my A4 file because obviously he wasn't very impressed when he saw a An A4 sheet folder to begin with. <laughs> but then I uh, quickly, mo- uh, I had put in pictures of my models and stuff. Well, people were carrying their own actual models. I had a lot of pictures of my physical model. So one thing about uh, me, which uh, 
uh, how do I put it? So during my course, during my undergrad work, uh, during my undergrad course, what I I had more models than sheets, and I I used to really sort of spend a lot of time making physical models. Uh, there were sometimes instances where I'd show evolution of the, you know how they do these little diagrams of how the design evolves. Right, right, right. Uh, I would actually have physical models kind of showing that evolution, and they'd be sometimes very subtle. But right. for me, I had to, if even if there was a small change in a model, I had to rebuild the whole thing with that small change in it. And you know, right. because I was that obsessed, because I kept feeling that if I can build this, if I know how to build it as a physical model. I surely know how to, to construct it. How it can be built exactly. in the real world, right? So, uh, so, so, so you were more. Um, so you weren't really modeling to to replicate something. You were modeling for modeling for investigation, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. So this is where I used to struggle. Okay. So I used to draw on uh, craft board. Like craft board is. You know what's craft board, right? Like the brown sure, sheet that sure. the recycled paper, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was my favorite material. So I used to literally design on these craft boards okay. and I used to draw the shapes or whatever I want on that. I would cut out the the uh, the piece that I'm most happy with. I would use that as a template, draw that on a paper nice. and that became my plan or whatever, right? <laughs> so my professors would ask like, so where is your evolution? And I'd, I'd go like, um, yeah, it was on the craft board and uh, now it's shredded. Uh, it's like, you know, but so initially... They wouldn't buy into it, but then, you know, over time, after they see my process, they kind of realize that, okay, it's possible, uh, I guess, and it worked out for me. So, so getting back, uh, I think that really sort of set my, my, like, it sort of set me apart from the rest, and I, I honestly believe that's the only reason I got that first job, because he hadn't seen that level of models or or. Not not in terms of skill, but maybe in terms of just quantity or uh, you could see a lot of love in it, like the way the models were built and the the fact that you build a model for every uh, for every design. Because I, I find this with a lot of students where they build models because they've been asked to. Exactly, like it's just a checklist which they have to like tick off, yeah. which they need to be marked for or something like that. They don't yeah. really understand why they're doing it. Yeah. So this is something like uh, like when I go for reviews or something in colleges, which I've had. Uh, something that I try to tell them is when they try to when they start showing me sheets, they show me like sheets that seem not in line with what they uh, sort of need to be doing. And then I'll be like, why have you done this sheet? Like, right. why is it in this particular scale? Like, right. why is it not in another scale? Because this right. scale is not relevant to your design. Exactly. Right? Because the professor would probably just uh, sort of say, this is the scale. You, we need this scale section, this scale. Exactly. I'll be like, but what you're doing and that scale and these sheets are not relevant so you have to like judge for yourself exactly what do you need like to sort of yeah maybe for all you know uh, just a simple model and a few sort of axonometric or drawings kind of do it because maybe you haven't reached the level in your sections or or maybe there isn't anything uh, in that section that can't be seen in a model or in a but then again Going back a step, I feel like documentation is also a very extremely important part of architecture. And this sort of thing has to be developed over time. Like you have to develop this during college where 
you you have a flair for documentation right uh it's important but it's not you know the end all sort of thing okay so coming back to that interview and uh he was at that point at that point he's the minute he went he was done seeing all the pictures of the models he was like okay i haven't said this to anyone else the job is yours like <laughs> and wow. I was like, what <laughs> so i so he he wanted me to say yes or no immediately uh it, maybe it was part of uh maybe it was tra- sort of like his way of uh seeing how committed Mated i was to were, this yeah, whole yeah, thing yeah. so uh, at that point there was no way i was going to say no to yeah to this, him you this, know this, right? i mean uh so i said yes and i'm extremely happy i did uh it's probably one of the best decisions i made uh so when i spoke to my uh professor like who or who like a mentor that i had in college because i believe that in college it's very important to sort of like have a mentor right like someone who will sort of help you uh shape what your career should be or can right. be you know and i had that uh, in anil dubey uh, he's sort of like credited uh, as being a mentor for many of the top architects in the city uh so when he, when i so the first call i made was to him and not to my parents i just, i i made that call to him and i'm like i did not have this in mind and this is where i'm heading and then he's like are you sure you want to be working for a developer because you have like immense potential to to sort of be doing other things yeah so this is where i first came across the whole notion of how developers are not sensitive who are people who don't necessarily care about architecture and so on now in my in this in this conversation where what i would be kind of leading this conversation into is the whole idea that that's changing uh, developers are not like there is this preconceived notion about developers about how they are insensitive towards uh, design and all of those things but i don't think that's true anymore or uh, simply because i mean i'm not saying that it's the case with all the developers but there are developers who are of course who, you know for whom the this like who could challenge this notion but do you think that's because the market that these developers are in that mm. that market is evolving and demanding for something different and therefore they're just meeting yes. that demand yes that's uh, it it has it obviously has a lot to do with what people are demanding so you can't like churn out uh buildings that are just uh extremely efficient and just makes the money you know yeah. it, that doesn't cut it anymore you need to start uh delivering because there are a lot of these uh people who are entering the market who have nice niche like you know how do you put it uh they may there are these small developers who whose uh, whose focus is on like creating this really nice products yeah. and that really competes with these big developers yeah yeah, yeah. it's you know at some level so and see by the end of the day it's about legacy and you want to stay in the market for a very long time and right. the only way to do it is through good design because right. you're going to be overtaken eventually if you don't deliver exactly. good design right so yeah so coming back uh, i i told him like okay you know what i'll just give it a shot i'll see how it goes because uh later because what happened is immediately after the interview he gathered all the selected students and then he was telling us about how he's created this team of uh, people from different countries like he's kind of he's kind of created this very mixed uh, environment uh and uh, they're all people who have huge experience and all of those things and uh, the young the youngest lot is going to be all 
all of us students and then he kind of came he he then moved on to why he did w- what he's done he, he said that he wanted to kind of create this sort of for the way he looked at it was kind of giving it back to the country in right. a way because he felt like it was sort of his responsibility to pick these students that he feel were one of the best in the country to to be trained under some of uh, some of the best architects that he knew right uh, and for him that was sort of part of giving back right. or at least that that's the way he put it across and uh, but after my experience in Shoba, I, I do feel that he, he meant every word of that because um, just the way the whole place was set up was uh, was really great for learning and uh, he had sort of given direction to the directors that these guys need to be taught and this is so don't like shy away from taking time away from your work hours to sort of just sit teach them you know right that right. sort of thing uh, so yeah, so then I had this whole conversation with my professor and I was like, oh, you know how I, um, I'm probably going to take this job and all of those things. And he's like, okay, fine. Uh, what do we feel best? Because, uh, I'd always told him that I don't want to end up being an architect. I don't want to be just an architect. I want to be a developer who is an architect. Right. And, uh, this is something that's getting pretty common these days, like right. where architects themselves are developing. Right. projects so the only thing so from from whatever few years of experience that i've had with developers the one thing that you just you need to develop as an architect to become that is you know, i'm not there yet but at least i'm trying to pay myself towards that is that you need to sort of uh, pick up that business sense of of this uh, of this whole thing of, right. of, of the whole business so one of the uh, most like so if you want if you want to be an architect who eventually want to be, who wants to become a developer i think what's necessary is to sort of pick up these tools which is uh, it could be for example i've learned like basic accounting i've learned uh, marketing i've learned right um i mean i've done courses on these right, right uh right. i try to be very comfortable with numbers right. uh, because generally architects one of the shy again, away from numbers yeah, yeah and yeah, another yeah. notion is that oh you were not good at maths is that so I have relatives who said oh you took architecture <laughs> I thought you were a bright student <laughs> oh you must have been weak in maths I'm like no that's not that's not why I uh, did architecture uh so yeah, so I think it's important to be comfortable with some of the other aspects, especially yeah. constru- um, construction management. So you need to be, if if architecture is being jack of all trades, then you need to be like a bigger jack, jack of, of all, all trades, trades if you exactly. want to be a developer. Because you need to be on top of everything. Uh, I think, and I also think you kind of, I mean, of course you need to have, you know, like you said, background or at least a working knowledge of like you know basic accounts and so mm-hmm. on but i think more importantly you kind of need to have your pulse mm. on the city or yeah. at least you know the crowd that you're catering to yes and that isn't necessarily something that you find in a book or something you can learn exactly yes like you literally have to be walking in malls and hearing people what they talk and maybe even just like grab a coffee somewhere on you know the street side and just kind of see how people actually interact with different spaces. Yeah. Uh, see, this is where traveling comes in. Uh, the reason I've been traveling a lot is, again, it, this has this is a huge factor when it comes to me traveling because, uh, say, for example, now when we try to create something here, like in terms of uh, what we're also trying to do is kind of we are contributing into the whole social uh, structure, right? In some sense, like 
because sometimes when you're in the same city, you kind of go in a loop because you're constantly influenced by what you're seeing around you, exactly. right? And uh, I think I recently, so what I try to do is I try to travel to one metropolitan and then one very sort of nature, yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of thing. And I try to fi- kind of find a balance between that and in some sense because when i look at when i go to a place like a big city like say i recently went to singapore and uh the way i i saw how people kind of operate and you know i found this i, I saw this very strange thing that i i could never imagine happening uh people were queuing up in front of restaurants in singapore like in the sense, okay. and I, not just one one off restaurant like in many restaurants why so uh, it could it could have to do with uh, people being loyal like in the sense like you know right, they are right, very right, right, right. committed to having food from that particular restaurant at that right, particular right, time right. maybe i don't know but this uh, was a common thing it very was, common thing and i found this in uh, many places where people were during lunch time were sort of or is it the pace of the city i'm not sure where people don't feel the necessity to kind of oh i don't have the time to be stand at this right, line right right I'm not very sure. So this is something I'm. That's interesting. So That's I'm trying to kind of reflect back on right. what could be the reason. Is it? It could be brand lo- like you know brand loyalty, as yeah. you can call it, or it could be sure like uh, maybe that particular cuisine there isn't uh, a sort of oversupply true, true, true. maybe, and it's a sort of there's some sort of control in that sense maybe. I don't know. Yeah, so generally, I understand. mean, generally, if you were to see that here, hmm. I mean. A, you normally don't see that very yeah, often here, yeah. but whenever you do, it generally means that, yeah, you know, it's a really, 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 really good place, and yeah. the stuff there must be like really good. But to see it that often, it's kind of curious as to why that is. Yeah, you know, Shake Shack, for example. Right, right. Uh, I found the longest queue for Shake Shack over there. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't under. Uh, so I need to maybe check with whether Shake Shack was <laughs> maybe the first tour was there. It's really popular there for some reason. I need to check on that. I haven't really. No, but it's but it's questions like this. I mean, this is what I try to tell people. I mean, this is why you travel. It's not traveling for that Instagram post. It's mm. not traveling to see that one famous building of that one architect. Yeah. Granted, you should. I'm. I mean. I'm not going to be one of those guys who's going to be a hypocrite and say I've never taken a selfie in front of yeah. you know that building. Mm. Of course I have. But then I've also done a lot of this, you know, just like looking at how you know things work and how people operate. I think that's so so critical. Mm. And I especially hate, I mean, I don't know why this happens and probably your input on this would be good. I never, I mean, if ever I'm going to like a city I tend to not do a lot of research about it. My approach is generally I kind of get onto a bus or get into a cab and I kind of tell that person, you know, don't take me to the tourist places. Like show me the city as to what you would see it. Where is it that you would want to go eat? Where is it you would want to go have, you know, like your tea or whatever? And that is a completely different thing. I mean, when I sit across people and I tell them, oh, you know, like I've been in that city and they say, yeah, yeah, me too, me too. We both have very different narratives as to what we saw in that place. Mm. And I guess that's what you need to do, especially as an architect. I mean, if you are traveling for, you know, architecture purposes, of course. Yeah. Uh, so I do a total opposite of what you say. Like okay. I tend to research the place a lot more, but it has the downside to it because um, 
this comes back to how many days do you have in the city right of course of course so generally what i try to do is i maximize output mr uh, developer uh, uh, no no i do, uh, so i i yeah so i don't try to tick the box like it's right. not about ticking the box for me but i try to figure out so for me the thumb of rule is one place a day right okay. uh i don't try to squeeze in more than a place in one day so for example when i was in singapore i i said okay downtown one day okay uh say sentosa one day or you know that sort of thing which is which is a fair amount of yeah planning. which is generally what people would do right uh but i guess there are people who would just say okay downtown half day and then just quickly oh i saw the marina bay sands that's it yeah like done. literally I, right? I, i saw it across i saw yeah, i saw it yeah it's fine it's done <laughs> but when i say for example when i went uh, up on marina bay sands yeah. i planned it in a way that i was like okay i need to go around four o'clock Did you do I the did. whole pool swim thing? Oh no, you can't. So uh, only it's only for uh, the residents, residents over there. Yeah. Right. But I saw from far. <laughs> I went right <laughs> to the tip. I said, "Oh yeah, that that." Uh, so what I was trying to do is um, see, like in Dubai, for example, we do a lot of these. Um, uh what do you call it waterfront properties and those sort of things of and uh, this whole vistas and those things are very are taken extremely. Um, Okay. like we're quite passionate about it right okay. we want to create those sort of moments uh like you would say so i wanted to experience it in in some sense like uh so when i when i went up there i was like okay i need to experience this in the day and the night so then i kind of time myself went there around 5 6 so that i think the sunset was around 5 at the time but pretty early sunset so uh i mean we I'm really wrong about this, but anyway. So when I went up, uh, I try to time myself around that time. But it's probably what people do here as well, and when they go to the Burj Khalifa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was interesting how the city looks so different at night, and yep. then it looked sort of different in the mornings, right? This it's the same with Dubai as well. You'd find like uh, it's it looks uh, it looks very different in the night, right? <laughs> Uh so what i was trying to understand was like how certain parts of it sort of like from that point i knew where i needed to go next that's right. the amazing part right so it's sort of like okay i was there i looked down and then something called out and said i need to go there next and then i go there so that was not planned right. and then i kind of found my way down and then so on but uh, what i'm getting at is that uh, i try to like plan but not maybe plan too much but uh architecture is one thing but i i find the whole, uh, the social narrative or the social structure narrative more intriguing and that's probably the bigger reason for me to travel than uh, experiencing architecture because well it it does make a difference but for me something that you'll never find online is how a city functions exactly. from a social structure perspective and that's so important so yeah that's that's traveling for me cool yeah So on that note I think this is a good moment for us to go maybe refuel on some more coffee we'll take a short little break we'll be back really really quick Thank you guys for listening to this episode thus far. It makes us really really proud that we can add value to your commute, your drive, your workout, your design time, whatever it is that you may be doing and keep you inspired. Our inspiration and passion is fueled by the amazing team over at the Orange Design Group. 
the Orange Design Group, or ODG as they're affectionately known, is an award-winning boutique design firm specializing in bespoke client-centric design solutions. They're based right here out of Dubai. What's cool with them is that under their umbrella, they offer an integrated design concept with architectural, specialist lighting, and home automation services. Their designs are super clean, as in super, super clean. They have a keen eye for detail, and their work has gone on to be featured in various media outlets, both locally and internationally. Their work has won multiple awards across various fields. Currently, they're working on delivering niche, residential, and cultural projects across the GCC. Their work is truly, truly, truly inspiring for any designer. You guys should definitely check them out. They're on LinkedIn and Instagram. The handles are at orange design group that is at orange design group right on so just like that we're back yes <laughs> so right before the break you were talking about obviously your travels how you kind of see cities function and operate and so on so I'm curious to know from India obviously you come to Dubai very different scene clearly over here are you here with a developer or here with a consultant or something like that how is it so i worked with uh, shobha developers for about uh, two years which was, uh, was a really nice experience uh, and then i'm i'm with imar developers now uh, probably the one of the best experiences i've had uh, in in the short uh, career i've had so far i'm i'm assuming that transition wouldn't have been that problematic then because you basically went from developer to developer right yeah uh, in fact uh, it, it was quite different it's very okay. different in fact uh, see the thing is in at shoba developers there was sort of like a different kind of an environment in the sense that like i said like i mentioned earlier there was a lot of sort of um uh, how do i put it so we were uh, 10 or 20 of us who were, who were just fresh out of college and right. we kind of had this uh, we, we would sort of be a group in that sense right, right. and uh, we had a lot of fun it was it was literally like an extension of college in some sense for me uh, but also the way Shobha developers uh, in-house uh, architecture uh, team works is that they, they're closer to a consultancy in some okay. sense because they do their production drawings in-house right so they are somewhere in between being a client and being a consultancy right because uh, typically a consultancy would have to like sort of pitch for projects or they would have to go through a process where where they finally kind of get selected and those so on uh, but uh, over here you're obviously you're already hired in some in right. some sense right. and it's right. just a matter of understanding what the client or we, we we would treat Shobha developers as a client right. and uh, we would sort of like try and deliver what is required from the development team. Right, right, right. Right. So... But this is all stand within the same house. Yeah, yeah. It was... Right. So it, it operated under the name PNC Architects. Right, right, right. Uh, and uh, we had... We were about 50, 60 of us and uh, we would... Uh, so, so the most... So where this is where the contrast comes, right? We would uh, do production drawings, we would do DM submissions, everything. So it it really operated like a, consultancy. a consultancy, but under a client, and only working for one client. Right. Uh, so in contrast, 
uh, what we do at MR development is uh, very different where we so this is also sort of like evolved over time right uh, so initially I was I was part of this team called Square It wherein we were uh, kind of working for uh, Eagle Hills MR uh, a, a little bit of uh, Inshama so we were sort of like uh, a, a small team which about 10 of us 10-15 of us mixed nationality we had like uh, we had people from Italy we had people from Spain Britain Jordan Egypt so on like so it's so it's, it was almost like picking one person from each country like right. so there was also a con- uh, there was also thinking behind it from what I learned later is that just kind of bring a very mixed kind of uh, exactly uh, input you know because exactly. uh, this place is we're not serving just one nationality right over here so there is this sort of uh, and this whole input that we get from different cultures helps a lot in creating the product so yeah so so initially we were called square eight and then uh, over the last one and a half years our entire team kind of got absorbed into mr development and now we exclusively work for mr um so even through that transition our my job our, our our job profiles have like kind of evolved uh, so it's it's sort of like been a transition for me slowly into development right through from college to until now. Uh, well, there's only so much you can plan, but it's, I'm just uh, I'm just really happy that it's sort of going in the direction no, I that think, I wanted. I think, man, you should have a plan for sure. Mm-hmm. I think everyone should have a plan actually. Um, but it's just about being ready for that opportunity when it comes up. Like that's what you're planning for. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, I guess had you not, you know, taken that one interview with Shoba a while back, you probably would not have been in the same space as you would have been when MR came along, you know? Yeah. So this is another interesting thing. Uh, so what I keep telling people is that whatever you're doing, just give it your everything exactly. because you you never know. That one job that you're doing is what could probably lead you to the next. Exactly. So... So the person who brought me to Imar, I worked with him only on one project and I worked with him only for a month right. and it was during his notice period. Wow. So can you imagine, wow. I, I had no idea that he was heading towards uh, Imar uh, or towards Square 8 right. and uh, he was sort of like transitioning and it was almost like a last minute decision where I was assigned to him and he had been working there for like two years. Okay. And... Uh, just the one and I, I, I when I was working with him I had no intention of like it's, it wasn't like in my mind like, oh I need to impress him I need to tail him I need to go with right, him right, right, right. but it's just that I just went about my business as, as I would so, so tell me man I'm I'm kind of curious I mean this was one of the questions like as soon as I knew you were coming on the show I was like I gotta ask him this question mm-hmm. tell me about your design workflow man I mean tell me how it was when you started off Say by yourself, we established now you were definitely deep into modeling. Hmm. That's how you kind of started, you know, your whole physical model transition. Tell me what it was like in Shoba and then what it's like now at MR. MR. Mm -hmm. So it's very different. Uh, So like I said, uh, there was a lot of uh, mentoring that happened in PNCA uh, where the most, uh, I think something that I'll carry with me for my entire life is this whole uh 
session that we used to have with our director where his, his name was Neil. Uh, he would call us, all of us, like the 10, 20 of us into a room. Uh, so all fresh graduates into a room. <laughs> and he had this board. They were like big on these big like room meetings. Yeah, things. yeah. <laughs> so we had this uh, board uh, and he would start drawing details. Like it was a building construction class, nice. which was uh, the best building construction class that I ever took in my life uh he would speak about details that we need to be mindful of when we do our uh, designs like right. while we are sort of uh drafting them or whatever and he would not just tell us what needs to be drawn he would explain why it's done the way it is so something as simple as waterproofing right. the basic concept of it it's not just about what are the layers that exactly. need to go but what is the logic behind it like right. why do they do what they do and uh, something as simple as uh, a coping or why exactly. do they do things like that you know and uh, even uh, your foundations how do you waterproof it and uh, how do you do it and uh, those kind of things or when you pick screws uh, why what what are this kind of specifications that you need to be mindful of uh, it's not that we do the specification there are people who are kind of specialized in doing this but uh, when you see the specification, you should be able to say, okay, that sounds about right. You know, exactly. That sort of thing. So there were aspects of design that was very relevant and that made it very engaging. Right. And that made it a perfect learning experience in that sense, right? So, uh, so it was a lot more interactive? It was very on? interactive. Yeah, it was. Uh, so so the thing is, let's, let's just put it this way. We were Initially, we were like, draftsman in, in some sense and that's how most s- jobs start right yeah, like where i need you i need you to repeat that again <laughs> no you have to kind of go through the grind like whatever exactly. however what you, you may be a superstar in college but you cannot expect to walk into a place and just start designing skyscrapers right you'd be you'd be surprised as to how many students i meet and i'm saying almost daily who literally rock up and be like, yeah, so I graduated top of my class uh, and yet Zaha doesn't call. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, you need to pay your dues, man. I yeah. mean, who? I mean, rightly, like you said, whoever you are, as you, you might be the most talented dude there is, but it's 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 not even so much about paying your dues i i mean there is something that you learn at that level which you will not learn if you just skip that and move ahead you know see uh what's important is you can be stuck in that phase for a very long time it could be two three four years right. or it could be six months exactly that comes down to how quickly you're learning and exactly. how good you are at that phase exactly. in your so you could be doing <laughs> toilet layouts or you know yeah. the, you know the typical yeah, oh, yeah. oh you're going to just do toilet layouts in the first. Right, so right, right. yeah well you do it but depending on how quickly you learn and how good exactly. you get at it will that will what will decide how many months you're going to be doing that right. so if you're quick at learning it because there we had draftsmen so it's not like we had to be doing this but it was more a, a part of learning than actually needing us to do it right, right. so because there's no other way to learn than drawing it yourself because and believe me because i drew it myself i remember those details exactly. because there's no other way you'd remember it correct uh yeah so that was how it was in showbell developers and then so it was very sort of detail driven and uh, technical and understanding some basic concepts like oh uh, 
like getting the like it, it was it was sort of like understanding that checklist of what are the things that you need to put together a package and that sort of thing that was maybe for a first uh, one year or so and then the second year got more interesting where you know people sort of start moving up or rather they they, they start like kind of your job profile sort of story starts improving where you're trusted more with design and giving your inputs are kind of start, they start like being more receptive to it and those right, kind of right. but you have to earn your way to that point right, right? so there was a uh, so there was a stage where we would have to resolve designs and those sort of things so that's different levels of how you would sort of transition through a career initially start off with where you cannot expect people to take your design inputs of course right you you're basically just a better draftsman right in right. some sense but again even in drafting draftsmen they they have some really brilliant draftsmen and you no, cannot man, like it is it is a legitimate art yeah, it is it is it's I so mean, underrated i mean so underrated. yeah i mean you can uh, i mean a very well not a very experienced architect but a relatively good architect can write off the bat just by looking at a drawing tell that the guy who drafted knew what he was doing mm. or did it in a hurry or mm. did it just cause you can tell just by looking at it Yes. Transition would be like, say, from being a basic draftsman, maybe, to uh, sort of uh, someone who gets those uh, moments where you get to put through an idea to someone who becomes the integral part of that design team. Right. That's one. Right. So for me, that whole transition to actually becoming part of the design team only happened once, uh, once I moved to MR. Because the whole idea was that we had like 12, 15 people who were going to be responsible for the design decisions made. Uh, so this was extremely exciting because uh, we had tons of projects lined up. Essentially, everyone does the same kind of job, wherein it's the scale that differs. So for example, a senior would be probably handling a more complex project, but right. I'd be handling something more within my scope. Right. maybe you know so so they kind of assign each of us in teams or as individuals certain assignments within your capabilities or within your kind of scope right. or based on your experience and all those things so generally what happens is when i'm given an assignment it's it needs to be it's it's generally a one or two weeks exercise right or a one or two days exercise sometimes it could right. be something as simple as so there's a lot of innovation that's part of my job where wherein we try to create new products, new ideas, and a lot of work that I did or we did about one or two years ago is sort of materializing only now. Right. So in fact, our contribution is starting to reflect right. only now, right. uh, even though we started like maybe two or three. Because the thing is, it was more fundamental. It was about creating that foundation and then building upwards. Right. Uh, and on, at the mean, in the meantime, also what we're doing is we tend to review a lot of the stuff that's going to site and trying to make sure that it's it's up to up to the mark and those kind of things. Uh, so it's really difficult to pinpoint and say, oh, that that those buildings had yeah. this team's effort in it right. or so on because we don't ownership, ownership yeah, is a bit we are kind of like sort of like this in the in the in the background like it's very hard to say what our contribution is in the right, sense right, that right, right. we are like these um ninjas ninjas of sorts <laughs> right like uh, we literally are i'm curious then when you get um these one or two day exercises like you said mm. 
uh you know the two week thing i guess it's a little more spaced out and i guess you can do some kind of you know scheduling of you know your workflow and things like that for those kind of you know timelines but mm. for the one or two day things i'm curious as to how you would start up does it always you know start with a sketch or do you do you need to go somewhere to be inspired how does that work so this is so generally how i work is i always have this uh, sort of piece of paper uh on on the side right uh and a pen so in case there's something that kind of crosses my mind I'm, i just like kind of doodle so what i do is, but i'm also like i also do a lot of digital art like in the sense i'm big on my ipad like i i think the ipad changed my <laughs> life thank Or, you thank <laughs> you apple <laughs> yes uh i really wish i had it during my college Uh, because what i would what i used to do in college was obviously we used to have tracing sheets and glass table with light below and all those of things course, of course right but ipad makes it so much more convenient i don't call it tracing okay like it's not about tracing but it's just about putting your thoughts together and right i don't think as an architect you need to be a really great artist uh, it's just finding a sort of means or ways to sort of communicate it's about communication exactly right? uh i can't remember who it was but we had someone on the show who literally said that that being some of the best architects in the world hmm. but the reason why they're so good and why the projects do so well is because they just have such a clear line of communication yeah. with what's in their mind to what eventually gets built hmm. and that is kind of what makes them like really really great as compared to someone who probably has a really you know dope idea but somewhere along the line it just doesn't translate because that communication isn't there so i think this is what uh, s- students probably need to focus on is that right. don't try to be a really good artist in that sense that don't try to draw it like oh it's ex- you know you 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 don't need to focus on your sketch looking exactly like what it yeah it's just about capturing those uh, the gist of it right and which by the way um our students if you guys are here for some reason on this podcast we love you we're not saying mm-hmm. that <laughs> what you're doing is wrong we're just talking from a very architecture interior point of view yeah like uh, so you need to probably uh develop your drawing style focusing on communicating than right. actually making it pretty so so what i generally tend to do is my rough sketches or the ideas are on paper uh which never see the light of light day. of day right <laughs> uh but what people do see is uh when it's all refined what i tend to do is i mass it up quickly on sketchup so that i get the scale because to be honest i'm not i'm not reached a level where i can uh draw without a kind of guide right. in terms of so what proportion yeah propo- proportion is there but uh, in terms of like how do you put it i like to be a, a little bit more accurate in representing what i draw so what i do is uh, say for example i do the basic massing i set up the view and i use that as an underlay and then sort of draw over Trace it over that yeah okay. draw over that yeah, yeah, yeah so you know for sure that whatever you're drawing is to scale you're right right so then you don't have to bother measuring and those kind of things so this is generally a trick that i uh, so this i picked it up from my director my current director who okay. who kind of does a similar thing workflow and yeah. and I, i in fact you'd be surprised a lot of people do that yeah. that's generally how architects draw where they do the basic scale so that Absolutely. they're not too far away from exactly. what you find exactly. they need exactly 
so that's generally how i tend to work in college when i was making all these models i was told like you know you do know that eventually you're not going to have the time to do all these models and right. you know that sort right, of thing right. because i was i i used to draw but not enough and uh, it feels like i wish i had like models are important but you got to come to terms with the fact that you're not going to be able to build models as you progress right? right you may be able to do a small model here there but you you will tend to get so busy that it'll be a luxury to build models of course so sketching there's no better way than to com- to communicate than to sketches and even to explore your design or what resolving it solving the puzzle there's nothing better than sketching i do a lot of that now i think on a daily basis there's a lot of sketching that happens especially because our exercises are need to be quick and no way to get something out quickly than to sketch exactly so this is a great part of the job most of my, most of our scope is resolving and solving issues and uh, the skill really helps drawing really really helps that's nice on the ipad any apps that you've used and they've kind of gone out of your workflow any apps which have stayed because i'm i'm curious to know I've kind of shied away from the iPad for the longest time and I'm sure you know this. Mm-hmm. Um I'm kind of one of those like old school sketchbook pen type people. I mean, I could like go through literally a sketchbook probably in like 2 days just because I'm I guess I'm now that quick in just that, but I found when I moved to an iPad, I guess the amount of variety kind of handicapped me. in the sense that there were so many apps and so many line weights and so many pen options and i just didn't know where to start whereas with this it's kind of a lot more freer at least for me so i'm curious to know apps that you tried which probably didn't work for you probably the ones that stuck around and why they did so i think the app you you're referring to is procreate i guess maybe probably probably yeah so yeah. the thing with procreate is that it's amazing it's amazing for for digital art so i've done uh i use procreate when i want to do like say a person's face right. you know like you know like in the sense like when i want to when i do my portraits and those kind right. of things right. i use procreate and it's brilliant because it has uh different kind of brushes too many choices so you have to kind of make these selections uh, and you kind of have to know what you want then yeah, before yeah. you start so yeah. that i would not suggest for architects uh what's i think the best uh, app out there for architects is sketches app by Tyasui just sketches that's yeah it's called sketches by Tyasui okay and it's amazing because it's very basic it has your layers and it has uh, basic pens so it's pens that you find in your studios because you have your that's nice yeah you, you know your ball pen or not a ball pen your ink ink pen Yeah yeah. Uh then you have uh, those you know those thick those copic marker. marker stuff. Yeah, uh, copic markers you find that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh then you find the you know the pencil pen that you have the, the Oh yeah yeah. yeah, the, yeah that's very yeah, popular. Yeah. That's also really nice. And then you know the Uniball uh different line weight pens. Oh, sweet. <laughs> so you have those kind of things and you get the same kind of output output see now it takes time because one of the things that I struggled with initially was the grip. Sometimes when you're drawing you can feel that pencil tip on the paper right like right. there's some kind level of, of friction to it yeah you, so you feel the connection you that goes missing when you do an on an ipad it's almost like kind of gone a little numb and then you're just yeah feeling your way through very but, robotic i feel nothing yes <laughs> but uh once you get past that once you get used to it there's no stopping you because you can 
you can create see one of the best things is you can erase redo it erase redo it or just switch off the layer draw the next thing so there's so much possibility so much scope to just keep exploring right and sometimes when you're drawing on a paper you can get a little lazy it's no fault of anyone but you True. know you True. can get tired for just redrawing the whole thing again and again exactly. just organizing your thoughts sometimes can get a little challenging right so this is definitely helps you just make it a lot easier and gives you more time to sort of just explore so that way i really like uh, using the ipad and uh, so sketches that's sketches your, yeah that's, that's my go to yeah that's okay. my go to app so yeah it's uh, about there was um, there was one more which a guest had bought up i think it was uh, morfolio yeah i tried using morfolio as well it's great if you're it's not it's not it's more draft it's clo- it's somewhere between sketching and drafting right, right so you have a scale and right. you can uh, start uh, measuring areas and stuff like yeah. that i'm kind of actually um now going towards more folio mm-hmm. um but again not for sketching because in in my workflow rather you know the the uh, place where i work at there we use a lot of bim basically mm-hmm. so a lot of our uh, markups and things like that basically happen on the ipad mm-hmm. uh we use this um, a bim software called archicad mm-hmm. so what happens is especially if we go on site we kind of have the bim model with us on like an ipad and then we kind of just you know turn on the camera take a picture mark it up and then it goes into portfolio we trace over it and you know just general kind of like general mark up i would say happens there and for that i found at least for me is pretty cool but again to like start off a design like off the bat i still haven't found an app at least for me that kind of works that way mm. uh yeah so i think one of the advantages of portfolio is that So I I've I've noticed people using this when they do two things right one is when they do villa layouts when they want to get the room sizes right right so generally what I do is that uh, as an underlay I put a grid of one like maybe a meter by meter grid and then I kind of draw over it right well it it's very rough right in right, some right. Uh, some way but then I've I've noticed people who use morpholio have a little bit more grip over control over that areas and stuff like that and another application would be uh when you when you do master plans where you want to get your built up areas or footprints kind of close ballpark so then that sometimes helps just placing those blocks and of the right sizes there's there's another app also that you i mean it's going away from digital but remember sure. that app that you shared on linkedin about where you just extrude the oh yeah 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 that's a brilliant app yeah yeah that is that's really good we had we we gave it a shot but it still wasn't uh, so we we kind of spoke with the team to kind of evolve it a little bit more right to suit our yeah we i remember i mean clearly we 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 had i think it was called modulo i think so i mean the name kind of evades me now yeah. but i remember something very similar like we also had it we used it it seemed like it had a lot of potential but just it somehow at the time maybe our, our projects weren't the right ones to use you know on that and it kind of just went you know on the back burner and then we didn't really investigate it much so the thing is we do a lot of master planning in our uh, office where uh, like new master plans or it right. could be existing master plans just small parts of it uh, right. where it kind of gets re where we relook at it and right. just to make it you know so the thing is uh, when we constantly keep shuffling buildings around and then we want to 
sort of uh, make sure that we are on point in terms of GFA allocated and those right. kind of things. These tools really help. Right. I feel like technology is definitely there. It's just need to use it. Yes. Yeah. Anything that, in your opinion, since you see more on like the cutting edge of things, mm-hmm. anything which you see that's going to, for lack of a better word, explode or kind of, you know, change our field in the next decade or so? Anything that comes to mind? For me, the only technology that I would be really, really interested in do, that would get me really excited is if you're saying that the energy required to do this thing is going to be like 50% or something around okay. that sort. So for me, I think energy efficiency is what needs to sort of drive when you say energy efficiency, you're talking about as a designer, your time being put into it, that uh, kind no, of energy? No, in terms or? of construction, like uh, in okay. terms of how quickly you can... Now, when it comes to 3D printing, now one of the biggest catches is that it can be sort of done in a controlled environment in a very factory kind of set, setting where it's... Almost like a pre-engineered kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, so that's where your energy saving comes. Maybe this is a developer in me kind of talking where right. I'm like, I'm still not very... I haven't really bought into the whole idea of that buildings need to be really fluid shape and right. those kind of things because I, f- I still feel that when, when you look at the larger context, uh, not necessarily here, not, right. not in Dubai, I'm talking about same place like India where people are still struggling to put roof over their head and right. um, we need houses, right? And then right. are we ready to have a conversation about those kind of buildings yet? I don't know. Maybe some parts of the world have. But, some, but I... I kind of then see opportunity in that. I mean, for example, if you could take something like 3D printing Hmm. and you could find a use or an application wherein you're doing like really efficient, really quick to construct low-income housing, for example, in a place like India. Hmm. I mean, that's kind of like, um, you know, this kind of overlap between both of your problems right now. So maybe the mistake that generally, like even... Now that I reflect back on what I just said, maybe the we associate 3D printing with fluid shapes. Maybe that's wrong. Right. Maybe it can be like just traditional shapes and but then again, then the argument would be that when you have the put when you have the <laughs> Like there's no winning the argument. Yeah. Like either so then way you you're go. like, okay, wait, you're anyways taking the effort to print it. Right. Might as well make it fluid. Right. Okay, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but I uh, Recently, we had a conversation in our office where we were like, so now Uber is coming up with driverless cars. Right. Are people actually going to be driving cars, say, 20, 30 years down the line? I mean, we're just like challenging the the whole idea. So what are we going to do with all these podiums that we're building for these buildings? Exactly. These basements, are they going to be relevant? And now when we reflect, when we look at our uh, podiums, like recently we tried to, uh, we were looking at the possibility of converting some of our podiums into usable spaces but then the problem is the clear height is not enough right Right. we were kind of challenging the idea of so should we start specifying buildings with a better clear height so that in the future it can can be converted into something yeah so we were kind of just exploring that possibility and just kind of uh, brainstorming over that so this is the exciting part where that's really interesting we kind of we are uh, now trying to be more innovative more challenging convention and those kind of things there's a lot of design innovation that i think needs to be thought about before we get excited about tech okay it is important to to from a technology point of view but as an architect i think what really excites me is being innovative in terms of design 
Right. So it could be something even robotic parking nowadays is getting popular, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you need only half the volume to so if for example if a 2000 square meter podium today can be made into 1000 square meter fits robotic parking. Exactly. I mean I'm just getting a ballpark figure but right. But then I just spoke about energy efficiency and I don't know now <laughs> if that's yeah. energy efficient but what I'm getting at is that there will come a time I guess when we can start talking about oh the technology uh being a bigger conversation than right. that's so. interesting that's really really interesting cuz in my mind I always I guess you know how you have that big paradigm shift that happened from you know 2D drafting to then modeling and then the whole bim thing and now there's you know ar and vr and you know all those other different types of better communication if you may for an architect I always thought that something like that would be the future but i guess you're right i think we still we still need to have that conversation about even if we get those tools yeah those, what yeah. do we still do with them yeah so yeah so they they're amazing tools that right. are being developed but i still feel like so your question was what excites me so yeah. for me what really excites me would be innovative thinking in terms of design which i still think there's a lot of scope i mean there are solutions out there but it's just a matter of integrating them with to conventional sort of thing right um, so that would be very exciting and and the way i imagine houses for example in the future is that they'll be they'll be like little robots like in the sense that so this is a lot of influence coming from movies right <laughs> like uh, for me i feel like from Wait, upper- but, but i mean before we mm. jump into yeah. that just curious is movies a big thing for you is it something that you yes. kind of i don't know because i mean for me i remember this one house i designed based off a song that i heard okay but for you is movies your kind of like go to or something that inspires you uh so like like i was saying earlier right how like i was saying earlier right like how traveling is is traveling sort of helps you understand the pulse of the people and those sort of thing i feel like movies also help you understand the pulse of the people in the sense that you kind of get a general sense of what people like what people aspire so there's something about movies that make certain things very appealing right right and then it kind of starts defining what beauty Culture. is what what luxury is or what uh, what how does one want to live like it starts defining certain things in from a social perspective maybe it it probably kind of defines aspiration aspiration yes yeah because exactly. i i guess anyway people going to movies or seeing movies are kind of looking for to some extent that fantasy or that you know that thing which they aspire to be or lifestyle or whatever it may be yeah yeah in a sense it probably does define a lot of aspiration in that sense i guess maybe movies are the ones responsible for you know showing like if you have a fast car that's you know something yep. aspirational yes maybe the day that movies start showing like having automated cars is a cool <laughs> thing <laughs> yeah but see the thing is i feel like uh, i i love futuristic movies i also like uh, movies that are really set in the you know olden days right because what's really interesting is uh, when they show depict architecture or when they depict a certain culture in, yeah. in those movies it's almost like they pick out those really obvious things and they place it right right so then you start seeing oh those are they picked certain elements so they're not going to be like pinpoint perfect exactly. in that sense but they have this really cool sense of uh, how they pick certain elements and they place it along and so you start observing those kind of things so yeah so going back like i feel like when you when you look at 
these movies, you you kind of get a general sense of what people are going to aspire for their houses to be like. Like when you look at these science fiction movies, it sets a sort of um, aspiration, right? Yeah. In some sense. So when you look at that, it it looks like houses could end up being really these technology-driven units that you probably like pods or sorts you know right. could be I, I don't know but so when you when you reach that sort of situation does existing technology is it relevant I don't know right. maybe yeah maybe it is maybe it's not interesting but uh, those are things that excite me like thinking about from a design perspective I guess as as architects I mean at least from anyone listening to this conversation we're kind of always on, right? I mean, as architects, we don't really have, I guess with other jobs, you can kind of like turn off your switch when you leave work. But I guess as architects, we don't really. So especially so much so someone like yourself who, you know, comes from the background that you do and you kind of always have to be on wherever you go because you're always observing and you're always seeing things and learning things and so on. I'm curious for you, what is really your downtime? I mean, how do you unwind, decompress, kind of restart, if you may? Because I guess all of this can kind of become very repetitive and very, for lack of a better word, routine. Yeah. So how do you kind of reset, if you may? This is where I'm. Uh, this is where a professional is kind of nice uh, in the sense that dr- drawing can be a downtime, and sometimes. Who's to say that you could just be drawing a project like for all you know, right? right? For example, my wife, when, when I'm drawing, she would look at it as, say, me working at home. <laughs> but the way I look at it is that it's sort of like a... Relaxation. I, yeah, it's relaxation because I'm I'm doing something that is not necessarily required, but it sort of helps me with my process. Right. And then it sort of like helps me with... Uh, so it's not necessarily me bringing back work home, but it's just, I find it, quite relaxing to just sit and doodle or draw well my wife's going to be pretty upset that she was uh, mentioned in such a context <laughs> but uh, she's very supportive of course yes. thank you to all our wives rather because you know we're here doing this but all our better halves even yes. not just wives i mean wives who are architects who have husbands Yes. Yeah, see, the thing is, uh, she's uh, very understanding. So this is so speaking of family and all of those things, right? Uh, this is another interesting aspect because um, have you have you generally noticed that a lot of architects tend to get married to architects? Yeah, I've I've noticed that, and I've also noticed a lot of architects have a lot of other architect friends. Who yeah, right. Meet up and talk about architecture, and yeah, we're we're kind of very cocooned in that sense. Yeah. with other architects. So, so your downtime is with other architects, right? Yeah, like like my downtime, ironically, at this point is, oh my god, so much pressure, so much pressure, deadline, 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 with architects, and then the downtime is okay, submission done. Hello, fellow architect. Do you want to go catch a movie about architecture? (laughs) And then speak about architecture. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So this is where I think it helps. Uh, So the fact that my my wife is basically an entrepreneur. That's cool. And generally, like now that, like I mentioned earlier, like my aspiration is to become a developer eventually, which is in line with being an entrepreneur and those sort of things. That kind of really helps, like just having those kind of conversations which are out of your scope and sometimes just switching off in that sense helps like where you're just sort of cutting away from and speaking about another 
industry or another sort of aspect of business as such or those kind of things really help I'm curious though what what does she do though what's the what's the business so her uh, so her background is that she's an engineer okay and uh, you know I, so this is something i keep struggling to <laughs> explain to people what she does and she's going to kill me for this because this is probably like the hundred or million time that i'm trying to explain so she makes packaging machinery it sounds pretty um, dry and everything but uh, it's very Wait, interesting so these are the actual machines that pack package stuff. Yeah. so okay Well, while we're at a restaurant, this is okay. the typical scene, right? I'm at a restaurant uh, and I'm observing the nice lights, <laughs> the interior and the flooring. And I'm like, oh, the acoustics is quite nice. Maybe, you know, the music is the right level and all this. She'd be like, oh, this packet, this sugar has been uh, packed in uh, this particular machine at this particular... Uh, this Damn. So, <laughs> so she picks up a sachet on the table and be uh, uh, very passionate about what she does. So she, once she's in it, she's like... completely in it so nice. so we both are like very similar but the in good sense, thing is that yeah. our uh, our uh, we in different areas so then it doesn't clash and then so i'm constantly learning from her she's constantly learning from me and uh, that kind of creates a really that's nice a very good um, very good environment yeah to you know be in especially for someone creative i would imagine yeah because you constantly have to be like stimulated with something i yeah. guess if it's the same thing it can probably become repetitive after a while yeah can be so so that way it's quite nice <laughs> nice well cool man um i guess we're reaching towards the last segment of the show which kind of tends to take people by surprise because they don't know about it so i guess you're going to find out now I haven't come up with a name for this and I don't think I'll even have one anytime soon. Every time I interview someone I say I don't have a name. Oh damn. <laughs> yeah. So question 1. Uh-huh. I remember really quick, mm-hmm. right? When you're designing as background, what kind of music or ambient do you like having? I like music that does not take my attention in the sense that so generally I don't like uh, music that is very engaging in the sense that <laughs> How do you put it? It should not take my attention away too much. Okay, radio music. <laughs> it doesn't take my attention. It's just, it's just there. <laughs> you know, Damn, no, like, no, like... no offense to anything that's played on radio, but uh, generally speaking, like for example, you would, you wouldn't find me listening to say uh, bands that I really like. Say for example, Oasis or. You know those kind of bands which make music that would make me think about the lyrics or make right. me follow the lyrics. No, it's right, just right. very, very neutral kind of music. Right. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, next question is a project which you wish you had been a part of, and why? This can be something which has been built, something which is under construction, or something which is probably in concept now, which is going to be built. any project which you okay. wish you had been of uh, so the project that inspired me the most uh in uh, recent times was by Alejandro Arvana I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, right. Uh, the Chile architect who recently won the Nobel prize right. for social housing right uh, i don't know if it was just for social housing but the project that i really like of his is the social housing buildings that he did which were like incremental in nature right so it's like incremental housing they build half the house and then the people kind of build the other off. half yeah. and i found that 
it's so it's it's not a it's not a uh, i don't know if he's credited with you know inventing it or anything but i think it's uh actually kobusia has come up with this in terms of uh when we when you speak of domino house in some right. sense it is right. uh right. it is incremental housing so those are the kind of projects that i really wish i could have been part of like something that is so socially relevant right and last question mm-hmm. if not an architect what's the one profession you'd want to explore it be it sound really strange but i haven't there was there was no other profession that i would have i, I can't imagine myself in any other profession but if i had to oh it's difficult it's amazing i i i've never thought about it because i i kind of decided to become an arch that i wanted to become an architect pretty early on like maybe around my ninth grade or something i think i, I would have loved to be a teacher I think I still want to be a teacher. I I see myself uh, teaching at some point in my life. That's nice. Yeah. But teaching architecture or teaching just anything that anything, you want yeah. to be. But it will in most in, mostly it will be uh, architecture but if it wasn't if I wasn't involved in architecture then it probably be teaching just generally teaching. Right, right. Yeah. Well, for whoever is listening, this was probably a lot longer than what we would normally have but I'm sure you'd agree a lot to think about a lot of gems in this particular one i would say well rahul thank you very much for coming on the show man thank really you. really appreciate it for sharing your insights on developer centric mm-hmm. design if you may but but just in general man i think there's just so much to learn from each other especially in this particular field over here that there isn't enough that can be said i mean this conversation can go on for a lot 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 longer so i understand time is very precious so i just wanted to say thank you very much for taking time out for being here thanks for having me uh, it's amazing like uh, you know when you think about these questions i think these are questions that are relevant to almost every architect out there but the moment you like not many people you kind of pause and just think about these like what would your answer be In fact I'm sure that most of our listeners would probably be like the narrative in the head would be okay so if I was asked the same question <laughs> what would my answer what be What would I say Yeah I, I, I'm sure because and then they would they'd be surprised with themselves like would kind of come out of their head you know so it's amazing yeah. because we don't I think we don't think enough about it and we don't speak enough about it and I hope uh, this sort of gets the ball rolling and we have a lot more uh, of these kind of sessions where I'm looking forward to it. In fact, I'm looking forward to a session where we have people as a group. Right. right and right. where we can all just sit and like throw ideas at each other and throw thoughts and that'd be really, that'd be cool. really interesting. Yeah. Yes, that's my aspiration now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the complete episode. It means the world to us that you did. As you probably know, this episode along with the host of many others are available on all of your favorite streaming platforms. If this episode in any way added value to you, please subscribe to us and leave us a review. It really helps us get the show out there to a much 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 larger audience. Feel free to share the episode with your friends, your colleagues or anyone who may benefit from it. Meanwhile, if you'd like to get in touch with us, follow us on Instagram at aform.studio, that is at aform.studio and send us a DM. That's it. It's that easy. All right guys, this has been awesome and we'll catch you guys next week.